Well, I'm super excited about this series. We've been doing this last few weeks called Rich. Everybody say rich. Look at your neighbor and say rich. And man, last week we started talking about this and I gave you some really, really, really good news. How many of you like good news? Raise your hand if you like good news. Man, how many would like to hear some good news this morning? Are you ready for some good news? Give me a little drum roll like on your knee like this. The good news is, are you ready? You are rich. Everybody celebrate. Come on, give your neighbor a high five. Woo! You didn't know you were going to get such good news when you came to church this morning, but it is good, good news. You are incredibly, incredibly rich. You may be here and you may say, well, I just don't have much money. And pastor, you don't know about my finances. And if you saw what I was going through and how I'm struggling financially, if you saw my bank account, you wouldn't say I'm rich. And you know, besides that, there are other people that are far richer than me. And pastor, I don't really feel very rich. But the truth is this morning, compared to the rest of the world, we are incredibly rich. In fact, we told you at the beginning of this series that if you made $34,000 last year, you are actually in the top 4% of all wage earners in the world. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Now, some of you are like $34,000 in a year. I couldn't even make it on $34,000 a year. You made so much more than that, and you're not just rich. You are actually filthy, stinking rich, because if you made $45,000 or more last year, you are actually in the top 1%. Everybody say 1%. Oh, you can do better than that. 1%. You are in the top 1% of all of the richest people in the world. You are rich. And that is incredibly, incredibly good, good news. Because we are rich, we get to enjoy the blessings of God on our lives, man. We get to enjoy all of those riches. But not only that, is that we get to turn around and be a blessing to others. And we get to use what God has given us and blessed us with to make an impact for the kingdom of God. And that is incredibly good, good news. Amen? But you know what? With that good news comes some bad news. Are you ready for some bad news this morning? I know that nobody likes bad news, but there's some bad news this morning. The bad news is this. Are you ready? You are rich. And that's bad news, right? And you're like, well, how can that be bad news? Well, I want you to see what Jesus said about it in Luke chapter 18 and verse 24. Look what he says. He says, how hard is it for the rich person to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, how many know how big a camel is? How many know how big an eye of a needle is? Right? That's bad news. You know what I'm saying? Because Jesus says, hey, if you are rich, it is much easier for a, for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it would be for you to get into the kingdom of heaven. Man, that's some pretty scary stuff. I mean, because we are rich, it makes it so much more difficult for us to really focus our lives on the things that really matter. I mean, because we are rich, we got all of these distractions, and it makes it easy to just kind of start depending on the money that we have and the things that are in our bank account and the roof that's over our head and the money in the 401k and we get so dependent on that that it makes it so difficult to really know how to trust God and depend on him it makes it so difficult for us to stay focused on the things that really matter in life and not only that is that we have a greater responsibility everybody say responsibility If you are rich, guess what? Because you are rich, and we already determined that you are, because you are rich, you're going to be held to a higher standard. 
In fact, the Bible says in Luke, to whom much is given, much will be required. Now, that's a scary thought. One day, we're going to stand before God, and we're going to give an account for what we did with the life that God has given us. And one day when we stand before God, because we are rich, because we have been blessed with so much, because we are in the top four or maybe even 1% of all the richest people in the world, when we stand before God, we're going to be held at a higher standard to whom much is given, much will be required. That's a scary thing. In fact, really when you come down to it, really it's all... A test. Everybody say a test. Now, I know nobody really likes tests. If you're in school, you don't like tests. I've been taking this college class, and last week I had a test, and I was all stressed out about it, and I studied real hard, and I made a 93. Come on, give it up for your pastor, yeah. And nobody likes tests. You know, we don't like tests because it's hard, because you have to study for it, because it's difficult. But you know what the cool thing is about a test is that tests always precede promotion. Everybody say promotion. Isn't that what testing is all about? Like when you're in grade school, if you have to take a test, what's the reason for the test? You take the test to see if you've learned what you needed to learn so that that way, if you learned it, then you can be promoted. Like you get to the end of a unit or the end of a chapter. You take a test so that you can go on to the next chapter. At the end of the grade, you take a test so that you can go on to the next grade, right? And it's the same way in life. When you face tests and when you face stuff in your life, here's the good news is that God wants to promote you. And it's the same thing in our money. The reason that God gives us the finances, the reason that God blesses us with with riches and with blessings in our life is He is testing us. And the reason that He tests us is He wants to see what will we do with what He has given us. And when we pass that test, then He can promote us and bless us with more. You say, well, where's the Bible talk about that? Well, I want us to look at it this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to this passage in Luke chapter 16 and verse number 10 here this morning. We're going to focus on this a little bit as we talk about the test of prosperity today. And I want you to read it aloud with me. It's on the screen. Look what it says. Whoever can be trusted with very little, come on, read it aloud. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Man, this is such a powerful verse. Jesus says, hey, you're going to be tested every time you get paid. Every time you put money in the bank, it's really just a test, the test of prosperity. And if you are faithful with what God has given you, then you will pass the test and he can bless you with more. That's pretty good stuff, right? But then he says something really, really interesting that really pertains to this series. He says, if you are not faithful, if you are not trustworthy with worldly riches, then how can God trust you with the true riches? Everybody say true riches. Isn't that what we've been talking about in this series? 
I mean, at the beginning of this series, I said, hey, we're going to talk about how to be rich in the things that really matter. We're going to be talking about how to be truly rich. We're going to talk about how to have the life that is truly life. And here's the deal. With your finances, the reason that it's so hard to hear a sermon like this, the reason it's so hard sometimes to preach a sermon like this is this, is that we're being tested with our money. Every single time that we get paid, it is a test. And God is saying, if I can trust you with with this, then I can trust you with something else. If you can be trusted with worldly riches, then I know that I can trust you with true riches, the things that really matter. It's a test. So how many want to pass the test? I want to pass the test, right? So let's talk about this. How do we pass the test? And before we talk about how to pass the test, what we got to do is we got to talk about how not to pass the test. Now, I know some of you are like, hey, I already got that down. I already know how to fail a test. But I think it's important that we understand what it means to fail the test. And to look at this, I I want us to see this parable that Jesus tells in the book of Luke chapter 12. Let me just set it up for you for a second. Jesus is teaching. There's all these people, this big crowd of people around. And one guy pipes up out of the crowd and he says, Jesus, would you tell my brother to share his inheritance with me? Now, those of you that have more than one have more than one kid, you know exactly what this is all about, right? It's like, Dad, she's not sharing her ice cream with me, right? It's like, wah, 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 call the way ambulance, you know, you're just getting on my nerves, right? And can you imagine what Jesus must have felt? Jesus, tell him to share his inheritance with me. But Jesus, being the great teacher that he was, he recognized that this was a great teaching moment. And so he tells this story, powerful story, in verse number 16. He says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus of grain. And then I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. Everybody say, you fool. You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you and then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be for whoever stores up for themselves but is not rich towards God. Scary story. Jesus says, here's this guy, he's rich already. And all of a sudden now he has a great year and he gets richer. And so he thinks, man, I've worked hard for these riches. I'm the one that made the crops grow. I'm the one that made the extra, the abundance for this year. I've worked hard. I have plenty. So maybe I'll just sit back and relax. In fact, I think what I'll do is I'll tear down my old barns and I'll build bigger and better barns so that I can store up all of this stuff for myself and then I'll just kick back and enjoy it. To put it in more modern day terms, he said, hey, I've reached the American dream. I've arrived. I've got everything that you could ever want and everything that you could ever need. I've got so much, I don't even know what to do with it. Maybe I'll just go out. Maybe I'll buy me a new house. Or maybe I'll get me a new car. Maybe I'll go on vacation. Maybe I'll get that new set of golf clubs that I've been wanting to get. Maybe I'll spend all of this stuff on me. But God's response was something that really, really shakes us up if we understand it. In verse 20, he says, but God, but it says, but God said to him, you fool. The Bible says God called him a fool. He says, for this very night, 
Your life will be demanded from you. And then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. And this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. In other words, God says, you're missing the whole point. You're failing the test. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. Number one, we fail the test of prosperity when we believe that more is always for me. And isn't that how we do so many times? I mean, think about it. You get a raise at work. Maybe you get a bonus check, an inheritance, tax return. And just be honest with me this morning. What's the first thing that goes to your mind? First thing is, hey, I got this extra money. How am I going to spend it? Come on, be honest, right? How am I going to spend it? Like, I got this bonus, and so I got like an extra $500. And so you're like, you just fill in the blank, whatever it is. Man, I got this extra money, so I can get me that new iPhone that I've been wanting, right? Because I got the four, and if you've got the four, you're not cool. You got to have the five or the six or the ten or whatever it is coming out right now, you know? Or, or, you know, I'll go on that vacation or I'll buy, I'll buy those new golf clubs or maybe I'll get, you know, we'll redo the kitchen and we'll get granite countertops because you know you don't have a really nice kitchen unless you got granite countertops. You know what I'm saying? Nobody can even eat if you don't have granite countertops. Or I'll go and I'll get me, I'll, I'll take my perfectly good car and I'll trade it in and get another car because I got this extra money and I'll get one of those cars that has, you know, the nice little seat warmer things that warm up your rear end when you get in it's cold in the morning. You know what I'm talking about? And all of this, I got extra, so it must be for me. And here's the deal I don't want you to misunderstand is that, hey, when God blesses you, he wants you to be able to enjoy the blessings that he has for your life. But the thing is, extra doesn't always mean for you. We fail the test of of prosperity when we start thinking that more is always for me. I mean, think about this story, this guy in this story. This guy was already rich, right? The Bible called him a rich man. He already had barns that were filled with, with food. He already had everything that he needed. And who was it? that caused him to be rich. Well, think about it for a second. This guy thought it was him, but think about it. He was a farmer, right? Now, what would it be that would cause a farmer to be successful? You would have to have some rain, wouldn't you? You'd have to have some sunshine. You would have to have some fertile soil. You'd have to have some good weather. Well, could this guy bring rain by himself? Could he bring good fertile soil by himself? Could he bring the sunshine and the good weather by himself? Where did that come from? Who was it that made it rain? Who was it that brought the sunshine? Who was it that brought the blessing? Who, where did it come from? It came from God, right? And God was the one that had made him rich. And check this out. Not only was it God who made the man rich, it was God who made the man richer. It was God who gave him a record crop. It was God who gave him an abundance. It was God who blessed his seed as he put the seed in the ground and it grew and he had a record harvest. The problem was not that this man was rich. The problem was not that this man became richer. The problem was that this man forgot who it was that made him rich and why he was rich in the first place. The truth is today all of us are rich. Whether you believe it or not, you're, you're among the top the top 4% in the world. And the problem is not that you're rich. God's not mad at you because you're rich. The problem is not even if you've been blessed and you even get richer. The problem happens when we start to forget why God has made us rich. Some of you are here today and you are blessed and you realize it. And maybe even this year 
Maybe you've had an abundance. Maybe God has even blessed you with more. Maybe your business has grown or maybe you've gotten a bonus or a raise. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, this is what I'm going to do with it. And maybe here today, maybe God would want to speak to your heart and he would want to say, hey, I've blessed you, but I haven't blessed you so that you can just spend it all on yourself. I have blessed you so that you can be a blessing. We said it last week in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 11. It says, you will be made rich in every way so that, look at this, so that you can be generous on every occasion. See, we fail the test of prosperity when we start to think that more is always for me. So how do we pass the test? Well, write this down. If you want to pass the test of prosperity, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get real practical for a second. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to create margin. Everybody say margin. Not margarine, margin, margin. We're going to create margin, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to ask God to use it. Look what the scripture says in Proverbs 21 and verse 20. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. But look at this. A foolish man. Does that sound familiar? That's what, that's what God called the other man, right? A foolish man. Look what he does. He devours all that he has. The Bible teaches us that if we are foolish, this is what we'll do. We'll spend everything that we have. We'll make money and then we'll just spend money. We'll get more and then we'll just spend more. We'll consume and devour everything that we have. But if we are wise, the scripture tells us this is what we are we will do. We will store up. Everybody say store up. We will store up. What is that talking about? That's talking about I'm going to create some margin in my budget and in my life. I'm not going to devour and consume and spend everything that I have. But instead, I'm going to create some margin and I'm going to ask God to use it. You know, last week I, I tried everything I could to try to convince you that you would be, that you are rich. And many of you, you're just like, I don't believe it. And the reason you don't believe it is because you don't feel rich. And the reason you don't feel rich is because you don't have any margin. See, every single time you get paid, you spend it all before you even get it to the bank. You live week to week, month to month, paycheck to paycheck, and there's no margin in your life. And because of that, it doesn't matter how much money you make. If you spend all that you make, and in many cases, spend more than you make, guess what's going to happen? Is No matter how much you have, you're going to continually be stressed out about money. And that's where some of you are here today. You make plenty of money. You're in the top 4% of all the world. The problem is not the amount of money that you make. The problem is that you spend everything that you make or even more than you make. You consume it all and there's no margin in your budget and you're constantly stressed out. And you think, if I could just get more then that would do it. That'd fix the problem. If I could just, you know, if I could just work harder and get a raise, that would fix the problem. If I could just get a bu- if I could just get a bonus, that would fix the problem. If I could just get a better job and make more money, then that would fix the problem because I could be happy and then I would be more secure and then we wouldn't be stressed out about the bills. But that's not the way that it works for most people because when we get more, what do we just tend to do? Spend more. And we spend our whole lives running around trying to get rich and never realize that we already are rich and can never learn how to truly be rich. And the answer is not more. Here's the answer. You ready? The answer is margin. 
The answer is we begin to create some room, some wiggle room in our budget so that when the opportunity comes to give, we can give. So that at the end of the month, we're not stressed out about how am I going to pay the light bill at the end of the month because we've got extra set aside and we can begin to feel rich and realize that we already are rich and we don't have to run around starting to try to get rich. So you say, all right, pastor, that sounds like a good idea. So how do I do it? Well, let's just break it down. Let's just get real practical with it for just a second. I want to show you two things that will help you, all right? You ready? Write these down. Number one, here's how we're going to create margin. We're going to spend less. So everybody say, spend less. See, there's really only two ways to create margin in your budget. The first way would be to make more, but we already established that that doesn't work because we just make more. What do we do? We just spend more, right? So here's how we create margin. We spend Less. Now, I know that's a foreign concept for a lot of you. You're like, man, I don't even, what does that mean? All right, so I thought, well, we'll just, I'll break it down for you so you can really, really understand it. All right, are you ready? Here we go. Here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend less. <laughs> now, I know you want me to get real deep, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll do like one of those word searches, like studied in the Greek and stuff like that, so you can really understand what it means. You know what it means? It means spend less. <laughs> It means, hey, it means we're not going to get sucked into this whole consumer thing that the world says you got to have this in order to be happy. And you turn on the TV and everything that comes on the TV, every other commercial is if you don't have this product, then there's something wrong with you and you're never going to be happy until you have the latest gadget or the latest project or product or the latest thing that came out. And you may have one already, but what you got already is not good enough. You've got to have the next version of this. And what's so crazy is the things that we think we can't even live without are things that many of them didn't even exist five years ago. We think I can't live without that. I'll never be happy until I'm driving that car or until I'm talking on that type of phone or until I have that kind of a radio or they don't even, they're not even radios now, stereos, whatever you call it, right? And we get sucked into this consumer mindset. We get sucked in and then we spend more than we make and then we're stressed out all the time and we make plenty of money and the problem is not how much we make, the problem is how much we spend. So we're going to spend less. Number two, check this out. We're going to have to learn how to say no. Now I know, I know, this, this, is, like, this is one of the hardest words in the entire English language for us to say. So some of you don't even know how to pronounce it, you know, so I thought I would help you with it a little bit today. I, I would teach you phonetically. I know we've done this before, but I think we need to do it again here this morning. So help me out. Here, we're going to learn how to say this word. If you don't know how to say it, here's what you do. You put your tongue on the top of your mouth like this, and you go, na, 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 na. Everybody do that. Look at your neighbor go, na, 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 na. Okay, and then here's what you do. You make your mouth like, like a circle like this, and you go, oh. So everybody say, oh. Then you take and you put those two things together, and you go like this. No. So everybody practice that. No. Look at your neighbor and say it. No. Sometimes it even helps if you point your finger like this. So look at your other neighbor and go like this. No. No, 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 right? And it's so, it's so dumb. It's so silly. But it is so true, isn't it? That so many times what gets us in the most trouble is that we don't know how to say this word. And we overcommit ourselves because we don't, we don't have any discipline. And it's not a money problem. It's not an income problem. You know what it is? It's a discipline problem. We don't know how to say no. We're standing in Target and we don't want our kid to throw a fit in the Target floor so we just say yes, you can have it. 
We go to the mall and we don't know how to say no to ourselves, so we just say yes. You can have it. And over and over, we just say yes, 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 yes. And we get ourselves completely overcommitted, and then we're all stressed out all the time because we're spending money that we don't even have. And as soon as we get it, we consume it. As soon as we get it, before it's even, we even get to the bank, it's gone. It's spoken for, and we've spent it all. And the problem is not that we don't make enough money. The problem is that we don't know how to say no. We don't have discipline. Come on. That's good. And even, you know, even if I wanted to give to somebody, even if I saw a person that was in need and I wanted to, I can't because I don't have enough left. Over. I don't have any margin. And even when, man, when the, when the pastor brings a special guest and they want to build ha- wells in Haiti or when we have an opportunity to feed children in Haiti and our hearts are broken and we think, oh, man, those people don't have any, any food to eat or they don't have any water to drink and we just want to so bad. But even though we want to, we can't do it because we don't have any margin because our budgets are so tight and we're so overcommitted in so many areas of our lives that even when we want to be generous, we can't be generous because we don't know how to say no. And it's not just in the area of our finances. It's in every area of our lives. I mean, it's in, it's in our schedules. Somebody comes up and says, hey, would you help with life kids? Or would you help with the teenagers? And man, our hearts go, man, I would love to help with the life kids. Or man, I really want to help with those teenagers, but I can't because my four-year-old kid is a professional soccer player and has 37 soccer tournaments every other weekend. And I can't, I can't say yes to do something for God because I've, I've said yes to all of these other things. I can't say no. And sometimes we have to learn how to say no to some things so that we can say yes to better things. Sometimes we have to say no to the less important things so that we'll be able to say yes to the more important things. Guess what? Sometimes we even have to say no to good things so that we can be able to say yes to the best things. And so what do we do? We say no. We create some margin in our lives. We, we create some margin in our budget. We create some margin in our schedule. And so that when the missionary comes, we can go, hey, I've got some money left. I set that aside. I can give to that. So that when someone says, hey, can you help me move next weekend? We say, hey, all right, I got some time set aside so that I can do that. We create margin in our budget. We create margin in our schedule. We create margin and we ask God to use it. I mean, I think about my own life. There's so many things that I could do. I've got opportunities all over the place, and I could spend all of my time, I could spend so much time doing, you know, answering emails and having meetings and, you know, doing all this, all this stuff that, you, that you're supposed to do as a pastor and studying for sermons and all of that kind of stuff. And I found myself doing this before where I get so busy with all of this other stuff that I got to do that there's somebody right in front of me that needs to be ministered to, and I can't stop ministering to them because I'm so busy doing all the stuff I got to do that's ministry. I mean, that's what the scripture was talking about, the the Good Samaritan. Remember, there's a dude that's on the side of the road, and he's dying. And the preacher walks by, and he's like, hey, I can't help you because i got to get to church. I'm busy. I I could spend every night in a meeting with families, people in the church doing my job, doing the ministry, and neglect my family, the ones that need me the most. I, I could spend all of my time, I could spend all of my time doing all of this stuff and neglect me and then not even have enough to pour out into others. And we've got to learn that we've got to create some margin in our lives. We've got to create margin in our budget. We've got to create margin in our schedule so that then when the opportunity comes to give, then when the opportunity comes to serve, then when the opportunity comes 
to do good. We don't say, I don't have time or I don't have money because we've strategically created this margin in our life to then be able to say, hey, God, use it in the way that you want to use it. Come on, this is good. I'm helping you. I'm helping me. What does that look like practically? You know, it might look like, it might say, hey, there's 52 Saturdays in a year. You know, I could spend that doing whatever. I could spend that working on my car or going fishing or doing, you know, my kids' soccer or volleyball or basketball or whatever it is. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But what if we said, hey, hey, there's 52 Saturdays. What if we said, I'm going to give a tithe of my Saturdays and I'm going to just set aside five Saturdays over this next year and I'm going to go and I'm going to volunteer at a homeless shelter or I'm going to go down to the boys' ranch and help with those, with those boys or I'm going to sign up for big brother or big sister or whatever that might be. And you say, hey, I'm intentionally going to create some margin in my schedule and then I'm going to ask God to use it. What about if you get a, you get a bonus your mind first, you know, just goes to what could I spend this bonus on? What could I spend this money on? What if instead, what if you said, hey, I'm going to take a portion of the bonus. Say, hey, what if you get, you know, a $500 bonus? What if you said, hey, I'm going to take a portion of this bonus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy it. I'm going to go and play golf or I'm going to go and take my wife on a date or I'm going you know, to do something that I wanted to do and something that I would enjoy. And so I'm going to take $100 of that and I'm going to spend it on myself. But then I'm going to take 200 or 300 of that and I'm going to set it aside and put it in an account so that then when the opportunity comes along to feed some children in Haiti or to build a water well in Haiti or to build an, an orphanage in Haiti or whatever it might be that the church is doing or when I see a family that is in need... I've got this little bit set aside over here so that then I can use it and be a blessing to those that are in need around me. You know, more is not always just for you. We fail the test of prosperity when we start to think that if God bless me and if I have extra, it must be so I can use it for me. But we pass the test when we say, I'm intentionally going to set aside an amount. I'm going to set aside and build some margin so that I can ask God to use it. You know, I've been learning this, I've been learning this very lesson in my life over the last several years. A couple of summers ago, went to visit our family uh, in Midland, Texas. My in-laws live there, and we used to pastor a church there, and so we have lots of friends that are there. And while I was there, I called up a buddy of mine who's a youth pastor out there, and I said, hey, Blake, let's go have lunch. And so we're sitting there having lunch, and this young man is telling me about, telling me about their new baby that's coming, telling me about some of the ministry that's happening there. And while I'm sitting there talking to him, another guy that used to go to our church, he calls me, and he said, hey, I heard that you were in town. Could I come by and talk to you? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, Robert. Come on by and, and talk to me. And so I said, hey, we're over here at this restaurant. Come meet us over here. So he comes over there, and he comes inside and says, hey, come out to the truck. I want to talk to you. So I go outside, and I'm sitting in the truck. And he says, man, Pastor Chad, God has blessed our business this year. I mean, we've had, we've had an abundance so much more than we could ever, you know, even have hoped for. And he said, man, when you were our pastor, you, you were a blessing to us and you encouraged us. And God just put it on my heart when I heard that you were in town. I wanted to do something for you. And he reached down into his pocket and he pulled out five crisp $100 bills. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? And he goes, one, two, three, four, five. And he handed me that 
$500. Man, I'm telling you, I'm thinking, I'm going golfing. I'm buying new golf shirts. Man, we're going on vacation. Man, I already got it spent in my mind what we're going to spend it on, right? And so I sit there and talk to Robert for a minute. I'm like, thank you, man. That's awesome. And we pray together. And then I, I say, I got to go back inside because my friend's in there. So I go back inside, sit down to talk to Blake. And as I, I'm, ki- I'm not kidding, as I sit down at the table, $500 in my pocket, as soon as I sit down, the Holy Spirit says, that money wasn't for you. I was like, yeah, it was. I already know where it's going to go. That new golf club, I already got it picked out. No, that wasn't for you. All right, God, who was it for? Blake starts telling me about medical expenses that they're about to have as they are about to have their baby and they don't have good insurance. And the Holy Spirit says, that $500 wasn't for you. That $500 was was for Blake. And so I said, all right, Lord, I told you I'm yours. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say, whatever. I'll give what you want me to give. So I reached down in my pocket. Okay. <laughs> hey, Blake, I feel like God told me to give you this. You know what I was learning? I was learning that more is not always just for me. And can I tell you that since that time, God has blessed me in so many other ways. And there have been times whenever God just put a blessing just just recently that I, and I said, no, I'm not even going to take that. I'm going to give that towards the building fund. I'm going to give that to somebody else. And you know what? When, when we prove that we can pass that test, then God says, all right, I can trust you and I'll give you more. If I can get it through you, then I'll make sure and get it to you. And the great thing is we don't have to give it all away. But if we realize that, hey, maybe God wants to bless me so that I can enjoy part of it, but also I've got to be an open river that God can flow through. I don't want to be a reservoir that blessings flow in and then I just contain them and keep them for myself. But I want to be open-ended. I want to be a river so that God can flow his blessings through me. And if we let him flow it into us and out of us to others, then he will make sure that the flow continues to come. But if we put up a dam and if we start to become a lake or a reservoir and it doesn't flow through us, guess what happens? We get stale and stagnant and God stops putting the blessings in our lives. And the truth is it's all really just a test. We pass the test when we realize it's not all for me. I'm not the one that brought the rain. I'm not the one that brought the sun. I'm not the one that brought the harvest. I realize that it all came from him. And he hasn't blessed me with it just so I can sit back fat and happy here in America. But instead, he has put it into my life so that I can make a difference in the lives of others. So that it can flow through me to make a difference in the world around me. I feel like preaching here this morning. Come on. So we decide, hey, I want to pass the test. I'm going to create some margin. Practically, I'm going to create some margin in my life. I'm not going to spend everything as soon as I get it. Instead, I'm going to get on a a budget. I know that's a hard word to say too. I'm going to get on a budget. I'm going to create a fund. I'm going to set a fund over here, and I'm going to start putting money into that fund. So when the time comes, then I can be a blessing to others. I'm going to create margin, and then I'm going to ask God to bless it and ask God to use it. And then when he speaks to me, I'm going to be willing to give. I'm going to be willing to share. I'm going to be willing to do what he's called me to do because I'm going to have margin in order to be able to do it. And that's what we're learning in this series. You see, I told you that in this series, we're not going to just learn about getting rich. 
So a lot of people can tell you about that. No, instead what we're going to do is we're going to talk about being rich. And we're going to talk about being rich in the things that really matter. And we're not going to just talk about it, but we're going to practice it. We're going to put it into practice. We're going to we're gonna give you opportunities to do it. The beginning of this series, I said, hey, we're, we're adopting this country, one of, the, one of the poorest nations in the world, that, that we're here in America, one of the richest nations in the world, and we're, we're going to adopt people in one of the poorest nations of the world, and we're going to help to provide in their three basic needs, in food, and water, and in shelter. And every week we're giving you an opportunity to be a part of being rich in the things that really matter, of being a blessing to people that have less than we have. And so the first week we said, hey, we're going to build some water wells in the country of Haiti because there are people that don't have clean drinking water, and we're going to strategically place them in churches in the country of Haiti. We said there there are 300 Assembly of God churches in Haiti that do not yet have a water well, and we want to put a water well there so that they become a hub in the community and people come to that well to get their water, but not only do they get physical water, they get spiritual water, they get living water as the gospel is being preached to them. And we said, hey, if we could just, if we could just do one or two wells, they're $1,500 to do a well. And I was hoping maybe we would do two. Well, last week I told you that we had raised enough money to do three wells. But then after service was over, somebody came up and handed me another check for $1,500. And so now we're doing four wells in Haiti. Come on, that's pretty awesome. 